everybody. I am here with Felix, better known as Fixel Online. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. How's everything? Excellent. Thank you for doing this. I, I can't wait to pick your brain about all of the very awesome things that you've been working on. But uh, I guess um, to give you a basic introduction, a while back you released an optical drive emulator for the 3DO that was very unique in that there are two versions. One that you could do internally, so if you have a dead CD-ROM drive, that's perfect. But you also made it so that you could have it externally through the expansion port and back, making it 100% plug-and-play. So both of those things were, were pretty impressive on their own, but then you had a whole other list of stuff coming out that we'll talk about. But So I guess what, what got you started? Was that one of the first retro gaming things that you designed, um, or, or was, was there a history that I completely missed? Uh, well, it looks like you missed the history. Uh, back in 2000s, I reverse-engineered the actual 3DO console and, and uh, did the first ever emulator for it. If you remember, everything before uh, that was vaporware, right. so the 3DO <laughs> was the first one that was real. That is right. I, uh, you know, I remember writing about that in my post now, but I've been spending so much time talking to you about ODEs that I had forgotten. You're right. You were the the Freedio emulator. So, how did you reverse engineer it back then? Where did you find schematics? Did you just probe the chips? I mean, it's not an easy thing to uh, to do. Okay, so there are, there were actually multiple approaches, but. Uh, there were no, no schematics back then. At least we couldn't find them or there was no, you know, I, I, I sent requests to service centers to Panasonic and, you know, all, the, all I got is just, it's long gone, forgotten, goodbye. Um, so the first thing was uh, Trush Alexander from Russia. He dumped the ROM. He dumped the actual uh, ROM chip from uh, FZ10. That got um, me looking at it because I was uh, heavily into reverse engineering for other purposes, uh, basically my main job. And um, I looked into uh, into the actual dump, seen what's going on, and started to reverse engineer what requires for this software to run, basically. Um, patents were huge help. And I need to, you know, shout to RJ Michael and... Uh, um, Rest in peace, Dale, and everybody else for actually documenting it. Um, that was a huge help, uh, understanding how the council works and everything. And then uh, we managed to get hand, uh, get our hands onto the actual SDK, and uh, we dumped it. And that, the one that you have online right now, that was actually uh, courtesy of Alan Wright, who was actually part of our team. Um, uh, he managed to find one like accidentally on eBay and got it. So that was a uh, huge help um, having the actual SDK. So that started, you know, that uh, progressed everything else. Um, I did decap and uh, delay Madam and Cleo in time. Uh, that helped into some uncertainties. Uh, namely with timings. How did you do the decapping process? Did you send that out to a place to have it done, or did you use the chemical method and do it yourself? Um, no, um, I did send it to the pla to the to the place to do it to the lab because uh, while I am okay with chemi chemistry, I do not like to work with it. I mean, it's it's quite dangerous stuff sometimes, and especially for you know removing the passivation glass on the top layer that's uh, that can eat your bones even without you feeling it. So that HF, the hydrofluoric acid, it, it just it just nuts. I will not do it myself. 
And um, yeah, I sent it to lab. They imaged it. I got it back then. It was like 2001, early 2001 when I got it. Um, again, keep in mind, it's all standard logic cells, so you, you cannot identify the blocks. You need to look at it, and you need to actually uh, start to disassemble it say, cell by cell, actually looking like, you know, this this is this bunch of gates looks like uh, and this is look this look like not, this look like a flip-flop and everything. So today, uh, and I've seen that, 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 that there's a very interesting research paper about using the AI, or rather the neural nets, to identify the logic elements and draw the schematic from, from that. I wish we had it back then. <laughs> but everything was mo mostly manual, yes. Wow. You know, with uh, with AI, you would still have to manually verify everything yourself. You couldn't just rely on AI to do it and then load up, you know, load up the chip, right? <clears throat> um, actually, uh, let's put it this way. Yeah, it's a very loud term, and then now I'm going to get a lot of uh, a lot of weird eyes and weird looks uh, for, you know, downplaying it. But keep in mind, when I'm saying AI, I actually mean uh, neural net, trains neural net, and that gets close to 99% accuracy on image recognition. And especially on the simple patterns like uh, what you get with the standard logic cells in, uh, in uh, ICs, it downright, all you're going to get is, is uh, find the machine cell and potentially rotate it 90, 90 or 270 degrees. That's it. So or, or, or it, it's very, very precise. It, it's unbelievably precise. So all you need to feed it is uh, like all layers sometimes because uh, you uh, sometimes you have a uh, interconnect on a passivation. So on a metal layer, sometimes you have it in, in a polysilicon layer. But once you feed everything in and you have a decently trained uh, neural net on that particular technology, which was, by the way, AT&T back then, uh, they moved to Panasonic uh, later on. They moved to, into like 94 to Panasonic. All 93 chips is AT&T, very old chips. Uh, so <laughs> if you train that AI on that logic, it will recognize it. There's no even doubt uh, about this. That is awesome. Well, that certainly explains why you, uh, you were able to get all of the knowledge necessary to have an external version of the 3DO ODE because you already knew quite a bit about the entire architecture of it, not just the CD-ROM and the, the optical drive emulation part. Correct. Are you still working on 3DO? Oh, yeah. I have uh, interesting stuff current. coming in. Oh, that's nice. Awesome. Um, you know, I remember using it right when I started Retro RGB, and it was one of the reasons why I wanted to get a 3DO because I was able to use the emulation and actually give the games a try for real. And uh, it was, it's um, it's such a gateway drug, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, because a lot of people, emulation is all they need, and it, it's a uh, a lot of other people, it's an incredible development tool. But I think for a lot of just fans of of games, you get to start playing the stuff, and you think. This is awesome, but I wonder what it would be like on the original console. And then, so, yeah, I think uh, you've caused quite a lot of people to buy 3DOs with that emulator. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish uh, I, I wish the platform wouldn't be dead uh, as it is now. But uh, as I say, the platform actually, it enabled a lot of uh, technologies and actually pushed uh, a lot of uh, a lot of new game developments, like you know those FMV games, they came basically to the 3DO. That was the, you know that was one of the the, the, the main reason for that. CDI um, caught up to this as well, and uh, you know um, 
obviously you know the history playstation and everything else but yeah 3do had uh, very decent stuff going on for it it's uh, it it, it um, i think it would it, it would have been a great platform today and probably the history would have looked different <laughs> if uh, it wasn't uh, sold to panasonic but yeah that's what it is yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, the cost was the biggest thing, definitely. Because uh, I remember as a kid seeing some of the games and hearing the hype and wanting one so badly until I saw the price. And then I was just like, I could buy a lot of Genesis and Super Nintendo games for that. I think I'm going to, you know, <laughs> so I, I knew where I, I knew where I wanted to stay. But it's a well, the theory hint, behind hint. Oh... And there is everything that is going to connect to here. So, yeah, there is that going on that behind the scenes. Yep. Wow. Um, there were games that were dumped for that, and um, and when I say released, released to on, online to to people just as an archival thing. So that might actually be something that we might be able to try at some point. <clears throat> Absolutely. You already can, you can actually try the. The Polystars on FZ35 already. I ported it to FZ35. I'm actually working to port more of those uh, arcade uh, games to FZ35 and uh, FZ21. I do have FZ21 as well to the, you know to try it as well as multiple actually 35s. Um, wow. But yes, it's it's definitely it's definitely coming, and um, that's going to be you know that's going to be a neat. Uh, uh, neat idea to see the reaction of people like once they will see the console that actually is right now we're just basically releasing the stuff for the console that w- never was released officially you know yeah uh, that's exciting <clears throat> you know I'm, I'm here to talk about your work but I, I gotta ask have you considered porting uh, or working on an FPGA core for the 3DO because you've already done so much of the reverse engineering okay so um I honestly don't have much time to work on it, but I have two people who I'm coaching and, and guiding who are actually working on the PGA core. Um, I, I must say that's not going to be on Mister. That's not possible to do on Mister because of several ways the console is implemented internally. Uh, namely, the video RAM that console uses is very unique is that uh, it has a page fast page copy and fast page feel that's going to be impossible to implement on anything um modern standard uh right now like for example take mister right you need uh, external uh sd ram ddr3 is not is not uh, is not going to help you you need external sd ram like usual but you need it at 32 bit width so you need two chips uh, that's going to give you the actual frame buffer proper, but will not leave in just enough time to actually implement the entire system RAM. So your system RAM is going to live somewhere else, and unfortunately, the Mister FPJ does not have enough of that for to implement internally. So that's going to be probably on a different platform. I think uh, one of them is targeting one of the other uh, Terasic uh, boards, so that's going to be easy to obtain. And um, yeah, that's uh, it, it's in works. Uh, I would say it's in works. I'm I'm helping everyone. And again, if anyone uh, a- anyone wishes to reach out to me, 
I'm on uh, on Discord, I'm on emails, you know, I'm everywhere. So if they if they need help with anything, and again, I have a very strong FPGA background myself. I, you know, uh, for my main job, I'm uh, doing the silicon development and I'm doing the, the embedded development. So uh, if anybody wishes to reach out and and you know for my help in doing that core. Absolutely. As I say, there are two people who are working independently. They don't didn't want to uh, work as a team. They want to work each each one on its own hardware, its one, each one on its own implementation. But I'm helping both of them, and um, some of them are showing the good results already. That's awesome. <clears throat> so that limitation for the video RAM, um, that's not something that could be solved using dual RAM on the DE10. That's something that's part of the DE10's architecture that's going to be lim- limiting that. Correct. Um, okay, so you need one megabyte of of video RAM, and you need two megabytes of uh, system RAM. Uh, the the core of PGA, uh, the, the core of PGA does not have enough block memory to implement that uh, to implement even the video RAM. So the video RAM is going to be external, and the the system is going to be external. Uh, the video RAM uh, requires fifty megahertz thirty uh, bit access. Um, Constant, like when I'm saying constant, there is not a single, uh, there's not a single moment where it's not being accessed because you always draw the the pixels. Your there is always pipeline for the cell, for the projector, for the VDLP. So it's be, always being arbitrated inside and used. Um, and uh, the system RAM is on top of that as well. If you're using both chips, both SDRAM chips. Um, you're getting your 32-bit access at about 160 megahertz, but mm-hmm. between uh, between all of that, you also need to uh, need to take take care of something important that is the, the video RAM has, which is the fast ma- uh, page copy and fast page fill, which requires mm-hmm. you technically read the entire page of the video memory. Fill it with something with the value and write it back to the SDRAM. So that means already 50 megahertz times two. Okay, and um, you do that at 16 cycles, which is impossible to do in normal modern uh, SDRAM. So it's it's very specific feature of that old uh, video RAM. We were trying. Uh, I was actually looking for the source. There are sources. There are you know like uh, Chinese uh, resellers or you know cheap resellers. They they do have sources of old stock of those or pools. Um, which is possible to do, but I don't know how sustainable is that source. If if we are technically going to solder anything to the D, uh, D10 Nano, that would have been that video RAM then, and only then it's possible to do a MISTER. But again, that's non-sustainable. It requires uh, level shifters because it's a 5-volt RAM, and it will not work normally on 3-volt levels. So it will require level shifters for FPGA. It will require basically, you know, uh, committing into that particular hardware just to implement the video. So as I said, um, there, are pro- there is a progress. Um, I don't know where it will lead, and uh, I will absolutely push it to be open source, like everything for I did so far for 3DO. Uh, but I do not know, you know, <laughs> when or how and what form it's going to take. Gotcha. So maybe this sounds like a, a good a good project for Mistex. I'm not sure if you heard about that, but uh, there's a developer that was looking to to spread Mister out on multiple pieces of hardware while still embracing Mister for everything it is. So not not really a fork, but an evolution, I guess, is a 
probably a better way to visualize it. So I know Hans was looking into many different boards and he wanted to settle on a lower cost board and then a much more expensive, you know, if you if you want to drop a lot of money and have some fun, cool, but you don't have to type of thing. So maybe the boards that he figures out, the the higher end one could handle all that. That would be pretty neat. Yes, and I definitely think that's going to be a very good idea. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if I I've heard about the project, I didn't have the chance to even you know to to, to reach out or talk to him uh, yet. But uh, as I said, I'm available. Anyone who wants to approach, I'm approachable. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's uh that's cool. I gotta maybe put you two in touch because it's um you know even if you're not thinking of it as you know how do I get the 3D on here, but think of it as hey what other things could fall into this category of needing more, you know, what other uh, development platforms are out there that would be able to handle it? Cause you know, we're always as nerds, we're always looking to the future, right? We're, we're very happy with what we have now for about five seconds. And then we're always thinking about what else we could do. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's neat. That's cool. Um, well, that's, you know, that's good news for the future then. Cause <clears throat> the, I love software emulation. I mean, it's, it's what, it's what kept me in the scene for so long, but the FPGA implementations are just so easy to have that little box that you plug in and that's it. That's your game console. And I know the raspberry Pi PCs, you could do all that stuff, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's still not quite the same. Maybe it will be someday. Maybe we'll get some better front ends that uh, can have you interface to the software cores a little bit easier, but um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm excited for all of this stuff. So it's good to hear that it's in the works. Yep. So here, uh, I guess let's move on to the HDMI stuff, which got delayed because of a manufacturing issue. And man, that that was like a dagger to the heart for me because I've been there before where uh, in both retro and in companies that I worked for where you have an entire run of production ruined and it's not your fault. Your, your original QA samples are good. Everything's fine. And somebody pulled a switcheroo on you. And yeah, so uh, what's the status of that? And could you talk a little bit about that project, I guess? Yes. Um, so the status of that is um, right now I'm waiting for the shipments. It was just sent out uh, of um, all of the all of the boards to, that they ordered. Uh, the yield, unfortunately, is very low. So I ordered way more boards than than there are orders, and um, this way, you know, this way I will combat the yield. Obviously, at uh, you know somewhat lows for me, but. Uh, you know, again, I treat this project as a hobby more than anything else. So um, that's I'm okay with with losses as long as I will make the people happy with this. With this board is going to be excellent. So um, the, there were a couple of uh, hurdles. So the first hurdle was that uh, the FPGA I've ordered, uh, relied on uh, suddenly became an obtainium. And initially, that was uh, initially it was Latte CCP uh, 45F. Um, I had an order uh, with Lattice, and uh, that was supposed to be shipped to me in uh, December, uh, early December. Actually, it was like December second. It was supposed to be shipped to me, and um, December the first. I'm getting a very interesting email saying that uh, we're sorry. But your order has been allocated to another customer. Mm. So uh, when I reached out to my, to my uh, sales manager uh, and account manager and started to you know wreak havoc, um, 
they say that there was a higher priority automotive customer that uh, came in and snipped the, enti- uh, the entire batch, the entire production batch, which, uh, you know, didn't, uh, uh, didn't, didn't play well for me. So uh, I had to redesign quickly. I had to redesign the entire board around another FPGA. Um, luckily, awful. yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it is awful, but as I said, it's, it's not, it's not the end of the world. I redesigned the board quickly around another FPGA that was available and I actually purchased it just, <laughs> you know, just to make sure that I have a stock and I purchased like, uh, the, the, um, it, it comes in trays. So I purchased, purchased the entire stock that they had, whatever the DGK <laughs> had in stock, I just bought it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, knowing that I will reuse this probably into some other devices and everything else. So I was like, you know, let, let me just keep it. So I got the FPGA. Um, I've ordered the boards. Uh, the boards came in. I've played with them. Uh, basically, uh, again, it's a first order board. So I uh, I verified that everything is okay. I verified that there was a necessary, you know, a typical one board UR and the prototype. Uh, mm-hmm. That I I definitely don't want to don't want to ship, so I reordered it. But because this was the prototype run, I reordered from another vendor. So I will not name the vendor. We all advertise two of them. Pretty much every YouTuber advertises two of them, one or another. So one of those vendors I ordered, and I did specify that it's a high precision board, namely that uh, the holes in the VS must be exact. You know, there's very little tolerances. Um, I got the boards three weeks later, and the the, the boards just didn't work. Like, if I, I'm just probing, you know, two points, like there's a trace going on from the pad on the VGA to the, the uh, pad on the FPGA to the pad on the video encoder, open trace. And the, if you look at the VS under microscope, I can probably show the, the, the pictures later on for you. You'll see it. It's, it's the VS supposed to be on the right side and V in the hole in the middle. No, the hole is right here. You know, the hole is right here. The hole is right here. The V is here. The hole is here. You know, <laughs> so I don't know how it's passed, uh, passed, passed their inspection. But um, uh, here I am three weeks later, no boards. I ordered from another vendor. Obviously, the moment uh, the moment I've seen that problem happening, the other vendor replied to me uh, two weeks later, saying that oh, we had to scrap your boards and uh, send uh, produce a new order. There was a there was mistaken production. So three weeks for fast forward, and we're already in you know we're already in uh, way past February. Three weeks fast fast forward, the other vendor send, sends me the boards. I'm looking at the boards, and um, the mask, the solder mask on the top layer is mirrored. Basically, you're looking at the pads. They are covered with the solder mask, and there are gaps on another side. So when I'm, I send them, send them the email saying, like, what, what, what's going on? So, oh, sorry, we shipped you the wrong boards. This is the, the, this is the scrap boards that we initially messed up with. And we should be the uh, wrong ones. So, okay, fine. So send me the new boards. Um, another week goes by. Um, no boards in the mail. I'm reaching out to them. I was like, oh, sorry, we had uh, production issues. We ordered the new one. At, this, at which point, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to wait for them anymore. I ordered the local ones. 
from um, a local vendor from uh, uh, the one in Texas. Um, again, no name in the names because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to cause them any problems and anything else. Um, they're utterly expensive, but the boards, the boards got here and the boards are okay. I went to, uh, because obviously the, the boards are too, I mean, I, I can solder a few of the BGAs in, in here. And here's, for example, one of the examples that I soldered myself. Um, you can recognize the board probably. This is BGA. And I soldered it, you know, basically here in the, here at home lab uh, myself. Everything is working on this board, which is fine. But uh, for production, I'm not going to sit and solder here hundreds of boards. I send them out yeah. to production. I got the first ten example, uh, ten samples. Out of ten samples, one works. What's the issue? Is it just too? <clears throat> are these are these boards just more advanced than these companies are used to making, or are they okay? Are they just so many orders that they're they're dropping the ball on all of them? I think both. First of all, the boards are thin. The boards are half the thickness, so they will be, you know, easier to, to, to put in and everything. Because if I'll show you the prototype, here's the prototype board. Okay. Here's the prototype board for the uh, for the video. This is the prototype board. If you can see the thickness, this yeah. is like th this is twelve layers. I I didn't skip on on, on anything here. So see, this is twelve, 12 layer board. Layer board? Yes, I obviously don't want to ship those and everything, but this is the prototype I was working with, right? So this is this is where I'm improving everything, all the um, all the video signals and everything else. There is uh, so this this board is fully fully working now. When I scale it down, this is right now to four layers, but it's very thin board. It's a half the standard thickness. Um, what uh, in that this requires uh, pretty much laser drilled vias for. Um, uh, for the manufacturer side, I don't think those other two Asian vendors are uh, too reliable in that. Although they claim they get supported, they didn't find any problems uh, uh, during the uh, DFM process. They didn't find any issues. They didn't say anything that it's impossible to do. It's all within their spec. I don't know where they drop the balls. Probably too much of a uh, YouTube publicity uh, created. You know, they, they probably have hundreds of uh, much easier boards to work on than this. So maybe um, mm. this time with the manufacturing, uh, I know the issue, and um, there's not much I can do about this. Uh, when I ordered the FPGAs, uh, they came in trays. But when I send those trays, I didn't unpack them or anything. When I send those trays to the manufacturer, the MSL, uh, the moisture sensor uh, sticker, mm -hmm. was triggered in those. So uh, somewhere between a manufacturer, somewhere between uh, the manufacturer of the of the board, uh, components and my the the vendor, my CM. There was a compromise. Uh, something was compromised. I'm not sure if it was. Uh, I'm not sure if it was here, but I now I'm handling the components. You know, I'm handling uh, uh, seven thousand dollars worth of FP, like FPGA itself. You know, I have them here. Uh, very expensive FPGAs. I never had those problems. So I don't know. Maybe it was compromised before it reached DGK. Maybe between DGK and myself. Maybe between myself and the CM. But what actually happened is the CM did not bake them according to the manufacturer's spec, which caused an issues like voids under the BGA. So those balls 
probably trap moisture and the moisture explodes when you when you run through the oven i did uh, verify that they actually baked them before but maybe during the bake process the, the moisture exploded something like this so that's that's something uh, something uh, to deal with later on for now i'm just going to eat the yield um it's roughly right now it's standing about 35 percent which is very low yield uh yeah so about uh, two-thirds of the boards are going to be scrapped i know that but Ugh. that's something i'm willing to do just because you know i i got my delays already uh too much i'm i'm not going to wait for it anymore I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to explain that, both both to keep people updated as to your project, but also so people could understand a little bit more about exactly what's happening when you hear things about delays. And yes, of course, sometimes companies just don't know what the heck they're doing and you know they never release the product and whatever. We've all seen that too, but yeah. there are tons of good companies that always end up having some kind of delays. And I just... I don't. I probably don't do a good enough job explaining it. You just did. You just gave a lot of really great detail. But I just I want people to hear what you got to go through to do some of this stuff because it's it's rough and it, it every time you turn around, you know, it, it, there's a problem. And if you're not a company big enough to to make a difference, there's nothing you could do. And one of the things that at least we had uh, when we were making medical grade computers is we were just big enough to have net 30 terms, which means you place your order, the product ships, and then you pay the invoice after. So we had that luxury of, hey, it's in our contract. If these things don't work, you're not getting a penny, including the cost of the parts that you fronted for us. So try suing us. And that was the only reason why we ended up getting, you know, why we ended up getting um, not total bankruptcy the first couple of times that stuff like that happened because there was multiple times we had lost $100,000 worth of stuff that had nothing to do with us. And luckily, you know, the we had all the paperwork in place to to make sure that we didn't have to pay for it. But you don't you don't get that if you're an indie dev doing products in, in low runs. You know, we barely got that doing runs of five and 10,000, you know, for for stuff that could have led to a lot more. Well, uh, yeah, I totally agree. The net term terms helps definitely, and I do have them pretty much with every vendor. Um, my main problem is is that um, uh, a lot of big names like Mauser, DigiKey, and everything else they shielded themselves from this uh, at this point, so they are not held responsible for this any longer. Uh, yeah. Ever since the COVID started, and by the way, this is the, this is something that I I just I just literally got got eaten by. Um, I was uh, working on one board, uh, and what actually happened is that uh, you know the the probe, the scope probe, sh- slipped, and I shorted the chip blew up. Happens, you know that's that's happening. So I said, okay, fine, no problem. Let me order it uh, from DigiKey because I know uh, it was like three o'clock, three afternoon. I order uh, overnight early PA, early A. I'm not going to be here in the morning, so I can actually work on this before I have uh, uh, our call. So. I, Sure thing. I'm placing an order, did you key and everything else. I'm going going to bed no, and later on in the evening saying like, okay, now let me browse through through my emails. Uh, and I don't see a shipping notification, which starts to alarm me because I do need to finish that today. Actually, I want to I, I have a later on I have a meeting with uh, one of my clients um exactly about this board. And um uh yeah i don't have any shipping notification so obviously with a heavy heart i went uh, went to bed 
And uh, in the morning, I see that, yeah, sure, we will ship it out early um, tomorrow, Wednesday. So, yeah. Uh. Uh, so I reach out to the representative and uh, they say, oh, you know what? We no longer guarantee same-day sh- uh, shipping. So since when this happened? Well, don't quote me, but you know yeah. that. Right? Yeah. So everything changed in 2019 and... Um, they all are shielded against this. So uh, I cannot not pay those invoices. And, and I absolutely paid all of this, including, you know, all of those of PJs I got and all of the components I got. And there's no, there's no way for me to not pay it. Uh, but yes, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, as far as far as taxing it can be, I, I'm sure you remember even my problem with the um, uh, export enclosures and cables. So... Um, which is, um, if you want to pause uh, later on and cut here, I can bring you the uh, bring you the enclosure if you want. Uh, if you want me to show it. No, I have it right here. Actually, uh, the one that you sent. No, no, the, the old ones, the the bad ones, the ones that they sent me, which are all warped and everything. Oh, geez. Now I'll put, I'll put pictures in the description for people. Okay, you can put the picture. Uh, yeah. So so sorry. That's good, horrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but, and, and yeah, the cables. Um, yeah, the cables. Did I? Uh, I did. Right send behind you. you. I no. can see them. <laughs> right. Those are the cables. Hold on. Those are the the old cables. Uh, hold on. Let me, let me grab a new ones as well, so you'll have them. Oh. Anyways. You all remember this disaster. I mean, it worked. You know, it that, worked. That was one of I know it did where, work. And know. by the way, this is the old enclosure, and you can see even it st- started to warp out in here. You can actually see the white stuff in here. So it started to warp. At least it's not as bad as the new uh, as the the ones that I had to throw away. But here's the glory new cable. Nice, nice. So. That's yeah, a new cable, broke. and as I say, I was sending it out to anyone who needs them, who wants them, uh, free of charge, as usual. So, those are, you know, is the old glorified cable. Yeah, that looks great. Yeah, uh, use the use the gold plated contacts this time, and uh, you know, the only problem is I could not source. There is no way for me to source that uh, the cable in black. Because uh, it's only available under custom order, and the minimal order is uh, five kilometers. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no, you're fine. That's fine. Yeah. People could spray paint it if it really bothers them that bad. Yes. Okay. They come in the bags like this, ten pieces each. Nice. So um, the HDMI mod itself, now you've started to work yeah. on flex cables so that you could install them in multiple different consoles. Um, and, you know, I'm just to clarify, uh, I'm not saying that you install a flex cable in multiple consoles and have one board that you switch between them. It's still an internal installation, but having different flex cables allows different motherboards to be able to have the same board. And then you would just uh, flash different firmware on it, I'm assuming, right? Uh, you can just select whatever the board is, uh, whatever the console you do from the menu, because it, it does have a Wi-Fi built-in, and uh, hmm. you configure it just from the menu. Um, uh, I will obviously release like more of uh, updated images after 
if somebody will find any problems or anything else like this, there is going to be a software update available. But currently, every single uh, board, every single board includes all the images for all of them. And, awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, as I as I announced, like you know, as a, as a somewhat compensation for the longer waiting time, I'm releasing all of those. Uh, every every single order will get all the flex events. So even if you didn't plan to use it on some console, you may be able to use it. And I do mm-hmm. have. Um, uh, more consoles coming. I will just uh, announce them uh, shortly. Maybe at the moment I will be shipping them because uh, they will be included in the manual. That's awesome. So what so are the there. launch date features? So obviously it's HDMI output and um, you, I believe it was 720p output for uh, for launch date, right? Uh, it is uh, it it is um, 480p. It's 720p. It is 240p, obviously, which is you know allowing you just the, the vanilla pass through for unprocessing whatever it is. If you want to use your own DAC, and uh, there is a potentially uh, 180p and and uh, 4K, and uh, the the 180p. I'm actually looking. Um, it looks very promising to actually have it by the launch day, uh, by the actually by shipping day in, in a couple of weeks. Oh wow! You mentioned 4K. Is that going to require different hardware? Mm, no. Wow. No. That's pretty impressive. Huh. Yeah. Same encoder. Same encoder. Uh, same HDMI encoder supports 4K and uh, 4K 4K 60. Obviously, there's not going to be 4K 60 on any of those consoles. They're mostly 30 uh, 30 FPS. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the video the HDMI chip supports 4K 60. Uh, the FPGA is way capable of it. I, I can uh, do uh, clock pixel uh, like a pixel clock rate up to 300 megahertz, no problem. And um, as I was probably uh, yeah, I was explaining this uh, to to the uh, to the SAG. Um, uh, to the Stone Edge gamers uh, when when we talk to them, uh, but I'm not using uh, any of those uh, vendor uh, IPs for the video processing. The video processor and scaler is my own entirely. That allows me to to jump between the FPGAs without even you know without second thought. So I uh, like I know that a lot of people are struggling right now with the uh, with, uh, lack of Intel FPGA, FPGAs because they they relied on the IP that Intel provides for free. Uh, mm-hmm. In the quarters for the video processing, and then I will not na- uh, throw the names, but everybody knows them. And um, some relying on Xilinx, but as I said, I'm using my own core IP for video processor, my own scaler, integer scaler. I have, and I have um, uh, uh, very good um, uh, Bayesian filter for um, for very smooth upscaling if needed. And mm. uh, yeah, that works uh, very well. Uh, actually, I've tested; it's FPGA proven, and it's actually ASIC proven as well. I have I have an ASIC that has it built in, so uh, it's uh, it, it 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 works. It work it works wonders. When I'm saying wow, works wonders, and it's like it just you know just streams without any issues. <laughs> that's really awesome. So I mean, to be honest, just basic HDMI out um, is so important because right now it might not sound it like let's just say hypothetically you said the boards could only do 480p which you obviously didn't but let's just say that was the case i would still say that these were very important to use because right now you could install it plug it into your flat panel it's going to work some scale 480p better than others but 
more importantly, having that original 240p output also means that not only can you run it on analog through your DAX, but any future scalers that come out, now you have a true digital to digital one-to-one recreation of the original signal so 20 years from now when we have 16k scalers you don't have to worry about you know oh is this outdated who cares you still have the original signal it could be manipulated any way you want so that alone is super important but the fact that you could go up to higher resolutions and, and support modern displays is, is an awesome potential so yeah it's, it's really exciting and at the moment uh what you've announced already is support for 3DO and Neo Geo. And was there any others that you announced already? I know that we had talked I didn't about announce, but you'll see, uh, I didn't announce, but you'll, you'll get them uh, in the documentation. You'll, you'll understand quickly. Cool. All right, I'll leave that for I as a will, surprise. I will send you documentation before I'm shipping them. So you'll have it before. <laughs> but awesome. yes, uh, total, uh, it's total nine different consoles at this point. But Wow, very cool. Um, so moving on to your optical drive emulators, you, you've you now released a bunch of them that you're, or you're about to release a bunch that you've announced, you've taken pre-orders on. Um, was it like a snowball effect where were you able to design one and then you would just be able to use what you've learned to port that to so many different consoles? Or is this something you've been working on forever? Because in a very sh- relatively short period of time, you've accomplished what a lot of people have been trying to do for years. <laughs> Well, here's the thing um, that the ODE technically started a long time ago. I didn't, uh, th- this is not my first venture into ODE. I did develop a very interesting device back in uh, 20, sorry, 2003 that was actually a CD ROM and DVD ROM emulator for PC. Back then, there was no say say that there was actually standard IDE uh, parallel ATA interface. Um, what it did, it emulated it at the laser point, uh, at the laser level. Basically, it emulated the entire controller, it mm-hmm. emulated the entire DSP, and down to the laser pickup. So I could load up that PIT image from the dot tape. I actually well, not that it was yeah it was DDS it was DDS tapes that that I used. I could load up the master image into the in, into the device, and it will emulate the laser movements. It will emulate the the, the focus issue. It will emulate the bubble. It will emulate pre the lead in lead out. It will emulate pretty much everything. So that was my first OD. And um, after start after doing the same thing, well, actually after doing a very much simpler way for the uh, for the three D O. Um, I stumbled upon a very interesting need. The need was uh, to revive the PSX. Mm. If you remember the PS2 DVR, um, yeah. somebody uh, so reached out just, to me. If saying, anybody, just let me interrupt for one moment. If anybody yeah. doesn't know what the PSX is, very often, especially in the US, you'll hear the PlayStation 1 referred to as the PSX, but that's not what we're talking about. There was a PlayStation 2 released in Japan only that also had an over-the-air tuner DVR built in. And while it doesn't really add much for, yeah, there you go right here. Well, it doesn't add too much for your PlayStation 2. Uh, it's a very neat piece of equipment. You could uh, still use it in the States and everything like that. So when we say PSX, that's what we're talking about. I didn't want to, uh, sorry to interrupt. I just didn't want to confuse anybody listening. 
No, totally, totally clear. Yes, I, I remember term PSX from very, very early emulation day, days. They were, you know, uh, they call it uh, PSX actually probably from the uh, fact that the executable works actually a exe file, although it wasn't, you know, uh, the standard uh, MS DOS or uh, Windows exe. It was actually the that so. If I'm not mistaken, the first uh, attempt on PS1 emulation was PS1 executable, which was mm. supposed to be grabbing those executable, executable files and, and random. That's probably where it came from. But I digress. That was the, actually the name for that, uh, to revive that PS, PSX, PS2 DVR. And um, after... Sniffing it with the logic analyzer and everything, I realized it's a standard ID protocol, and uh, I've seen a very good potential for it. I've seen uh, that uh, a lot of, uh, and I actually remember it, a lot of those retro computers, like 386 or 486, like early PS2 models, they do not support um, anything uh, modern on ID. Like you cannot just simply take the compact flash card and plug it in into uh, into adapter and make it work. It will not understand some of the uh, some of the obscurities that used to be back then. So that mm-hmm. actually came and resulted into this, which is you're probably familiar as universal um, ID emulator. Basically, it emulates a 44 pin, 44 pins or 40 pin IDE with the uh, analog output for the uh, the 4 pin analog output for the uh, CD-ROM. And it basically emulates any any device you have on ID. It could be LS120, it could be zip drive, it could be a magneto-optical, uh, 230 meg, uh, 640 meg, 1.3 gig, whatever you name. It DVD with recording capabilities, uh, emulates CD with recording capabilities. So you can actually burn the disk on it. It will create an image, but you can burn, it, burn the disk on it and like some old 90s Nero burning room application and, and it will not t- tell any difference between normal CD-ROM and this. So once I implemented that, um, and um, a lot of my knowledge from back day uh, working on the ID bus helped here. So I realized that this could be a very interesting platform for any future devices. And I started to look at the consoles that have lasers dying, but there's no solution for that. So um, I acquired them. And obviously, you know, just uh, to make sure that, that I can test everything and, and see where, where the issues and everything else, I did acquire pretty much every single console that I need, uh, that, that I want to develop for. And it's obscure enough and have a very, <laughs> you know, very niche following and um, uh, so-called underdog, right? So I got them all and uh, started to look what I can do. And obviously that came up into some quick, uh, quick development. Let's say for Marty, the DeLorean, the DMC-88. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> was, yeah, uh, I got it working uh, in like seven hours after I got the Marty here. So uh, I awesome. had one of this wired up. And uh, actually, initially I started with... Um, I started with um, FZ1 board wire up to it because uh, FZ1 has universal uh, level shifters. And that was mm. my proto board for it. And actually, I got it running like within seven hours. I had already game booting up. And um, 
uh, many would say, oh, yeah, Doc Brown has it and everything else. I say, yeah, fine, let, let them have Doc Brown. <laughs> and I've seen the, 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 the problems you have with this. You need to supply serial numbers and everything else. I said, you know, I don't see the need for it. So I went ahead and I did the, uh, I did the DeLorean, the MC88. Uh, I did throw up the, the I, I did throw in um, uh, a floppy disk emulator to this as well because why not? I mean, FPGA cable I have plenty. It's 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 using so little of FPGA for to emulate in it. Uh, that I have plenty of uh, available spaces in that, and that's actually what you know what what allows me to move quickly from you know platform to platform is that I have a completely uh, complete fpga for me available in in this platform so i can emulate it first of all everything with precise timing and mm-hmm. not bother about you know software aspect of it because it's it's uh, it's everything is in hardware right so um and it's given me uh, it, it's given me very good em- uh, evaluation or like experimentation platform so i basically like keep on wire up like a bunch of a uh, bunch of wires with logic analyzer and the board in there and it gives me the idea. Sorry, it gives me the ODE uh, emulation pretty much like a few hours later. So that's that's yeah, that's the idea. So the main, my main problem right now is catching up with the software for those, and not embedded software, the menus. Oh. Because right. So uh, like with the 3DO, I want to keep uh, era, age, and look and feel appropriate. Uh, menus for them like i don't want to put like uh, you know like a typical uh two panel interface in in, in marty and call today no i want something that is marty appropriate right um and probably we'll have some uh music to it as well i will ask my daughter to, to compose that's awesome <laughs> yeah that's, um Hi. <laughs> your daughter was the one who did the music for the 3do emulator which is awesome so that, that, I'm look, yeah looking forward to more songs <laughs> yeah so she's uh, she uh, she likes uh she likes those games uh on marty and uh pcfx so uh, I'm, I'm sitting here helping her looking at, you know playing with this because some of them are japanese and everything else and uh, yeah so um she got very interested in those, so she's going to be composing music for that as well. Uh, I will make sure that it's tunable, you know, t- turnable on and off. Uh, and actually, the next release for Kandio as well, you can turn it off. Um, again, I didn't think about turning it off, but yeah, people requested, I will. Uh, but yes, they, they, they each will include some some uh, music there. And uh, as well as uh, some hidden uh, Easter eggs. Uh, I'm sure you've probably seen some in the the 3D already. Yeah, that's really great. So um, all of these have either, uh, they have the option to add a Wi-Fi chip to them. Are they coming with the Wi-Fi chip on there? Um, No. Uh, And this uh, this is the decision that I had to to face. And I will explain you why. So um, Wi-Fi chip. There are two ways of approaching it. It's first of all, I can do just a standard Wi-Fi uh, controller like uh, RTL or something and interface it to the microcontroller. That requires a full stack, uh, full Wi-Fi stack in the microcontroller and it will consume, obviously, the resources and everything else. The second option is throw in something like uh, ESP32. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, with ESP32, and I have developed a lot of applications for it and, and, and have wide portfolio for this. So I've been using those before. 
So, but with the SP32 comes something else. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's module selection. Now, um, some people will not ever need this. And I know a lot of people who will not ever need this. Uh, some people will heavily use it. So um, I sort of pulled the decision to create a separate board for it uh, that will run in its own on its own and will provide services to the ODE. I don't want uh, I uh, don't want to uh, create a confusion like an or create a complicated uh, uh, embedded project on the ODE itself. Uh, I would say let ODE do what it does the best. So the OD will emulate the CD-ROM the best, right? It will emulate, uh, it will uh, provide the interfaces for the menus, it will provide everything else. That's going to be its job. The Wi-Fi chip, it's going to mount through the uh, AFP and Samba. So basically any Windows shares, any Macintosh shares, it does have a zero conf, it does have a Bluetooth, uh, Bluetooth low energy with the credential sharing. So you'll be able to share and configure it from your phone without even installing any applications. So basically, like, uh, you know, you bring the phone close to it, it will see that there is a, there is a Wi-Fi uh, in search for the, for the credentials, and you'll share the credentials, your local network credentials with it. You don't even need to type it. Your phone will share it. And uh, it, will, uh, it will report back to you uh, its, own, its IP. Or it will actually be on the uh, MDNS. Um, um, basically, then it, it will uh, report itself as a host on MDNS, and you'll be able to just type it its name. So, for example, for PCFX, you just type PCFX. For the ID, you just type ID slash, mm -hmm. and it will you know pop up the web interface for it. And as I said, that's going to that's my target. I want it to be as simple as possible. So it's plug and play configuration for everything. I don't want people to mess up with it. I don't want to create complicated, you know, compli very complicated uh, user experience. Uh, I don't know if, if my 3D ODs are anything to go by. I think I achieved that. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense too, because you also don't want to add cost for people that aren't going to use it. So if somebody has RetroNAS set up and they have multiple of these consoles and they're going to buy multiple ODEs, yeah, they're definitely going to want Wi-Fi. But what about that person that just wants to take their, you know, to rip their CDI collection and then put that on your ODE and that's it. And they don't really need anything else. Why would they want to spend more? So it makes total sense to, to have that as a separate thing. Uh, but will that be uh, available on launch day as well? So people could uh, could purchase both or? Um Right now, I'm finalizing the I'm finalizing the actual firmware for it. So, but yes, every single board that uh, produced after the ID will mm -hmm. have uh, ability to work with uh, with that Wi-Fi plugin. And what about the IDE one? Not the, uh, not that one. ID itself, yes. ID is the first one okay. actually. Yeah. So every single yeah, board from right. the way yeah, you worded it, you ID just said every board after that. Right. Okay, right. but every board after <laughs> including that, yes. and after the IDE, including board. the <laughs> IDE, yes, that's the main. That 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 is the main. Uh, yeah, that was the main target. Let's say Marty okay. has the OLED display in it, so people will pretty much be able to use the OLED to navigate. But for example, for uh, floppy disk images transfer back and forth, uh, you can plug in the uh, Wi-Fi board and and you know transfer it to your shares. Uh, or even configure or even select images because it's all included in the web interface there. 
That is very cool. Um, now the ODEs, uh, the console specific ones, when some of them you said will be able to run alongside the original CD-ROM drive and others have to be a replacement. And of course, space is probably going to be a part of that. You know, you're not going to be able to fit both inside a top loading CDI. There's no extra space in there whatsoever. But for the larger consoles like Sega CD1, CDI, any of that stuff, uh, do you think you'd be able to run them alongside the original? Most, yes. Not every single one, but most, yes. Uh, it did include a lot of I/O, uh, a lot of five volts I/O into it, and uh, actually it's uh, it's universal. It's five volts and three volts. Um, so yes, most of them will be able to be uh, passed through. They will actually allow you to retain uh, the CD-ROM. I definitely will not uh, list all of them right now because it's again it, it, it's in active development. I do have. Uh, mm-hmm. I have rotating schedule for myself to work on on it, but yes, I do uh, intend to uh, eventually release as much as possible as uh, Pastro. That is really really cool because it's you know there there's definitely an argument of why would you need the original if you had uh, the op- the emulation, but. I mean, if you're playing on original consoles, it's because you want as much of the original experience as possible. So, you know, obviously there's going to be space and technical constraints, but I just, I really appreciate that feature because even if I load a disc two more times for the rest of my life, it's going to be fun. It's neat. You know, you get the original. Here you go. Remember how much this sucked? Listen to listen to that warp CD wobble in the tray. Great. All right. Let's go back to the ODE. <laughs> yeah. Well, additional option for that would be uh, dumping the the original discs as well. That is something I'm going to be working actively to support so that uh, the OD will allow you to dump the original disc. Because right now, let's face it, we have a problem. None of current uh, laptops have uh, CD-ROM drives. Uh, almost no yeah. CD-ROM drives in our DVD-ROM or Blu-rays uh, for that sake anywhere else. Those are... You know, those are still available, but um, they have their own problems. And yeah. namely, I, uh, th- this is the, the, the latest from Pioneer. Um, I don't know if you can see the model, yep. but this is the latest from BDROM from Pioneer. While it, it is capable of reading 100 gig uh, Blu-rays and PlayStation 5 Blu-rays to that, it is capable, unofficially, but it is. Uh, I cannot read, for, for the sake of me, I cannot read PCFX game on it. It just does not recognize it whatsoever. So uh, not only that, you too, know, even if your drives do recognize it, some consoles it's a very convoluted process to dump the CD correctly. You know, it's yep. you have to follow a guide. It's multi steps, and so just having the ability to put your original games in and press a button would be would be amazing. And I know I know what people are going to say. Oh, there's already checksum dumps where you could prove that you have the most perfect. It's not about that. It's absolutely not about that. Especially if you bought a game when you were a kid and you kept it, and it's you know it's still in good enough condition. It's not too scratched up. Like you want that game. You want that version that you've always played. You know. You know. It's just it's it's a thing where i don't even care if i'm wrong i sometimes i just want the one that i have i don't care uh, if if there's a better or easier way and i I think there's a lot more people out there that agree with me on that than uh you know than take the time to argue about it on the forums i I think that is something that people would absolutely use 
there is yeah there is another point to this being myself a software developer i do feel guilt anytime i'm going into that archive.org and downloading something to test on the, on the og i i do go and buy and i have like a stack of cds that i bought for all of these consoles just because i'm working with them and playing with them and everything and every single game that i like i buy and and right. i keep on so this is just even like you know the mindset even this is OGE, even this is, yeah, people will say, you know what, it, 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 it um, supports pirates and everything else. No, I myself, I condone pirates. I don't like pirates. I don't like uh, the fact that it's, uh, you know, uh, made easy. I understand that this is abandoned wear, but it still doesn't change the fact that you can just, just go and buy the disc, you know. I understand it's it's bad yeah. and everything. I understand you will never even read this. Who cares? You bought it. You have it in your collection. Done. You can go and play it on digital reap from somebody else. You know, it's, it's yeah, just no. just that support support your developers. That's all it is. I if you can't like the agree game, with you anymore. Support developers. If you don't support the people that you want this stuff from, how do you expect them to have more? My my view on games is the exact as my view on music in that I prefer to listen to it first or play it first, especially with retro stuff where it's super easy to get the ROMs. And if I don't like it, then, you know, no disrespect. It's not for me. But if I like it, I buy it. And new or old, some exceptions. I'm never spending $15,000 on a copy of Neo Turf Masters. I'm going to just steal it. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with it. But, you know, but most other stuff I will support local game stores, support good online stores. And it does make a difference. And even with new games, right? I remember I got um, Samus Returns and then the ROM was dumped online. So I ended up just keeping mine sealed, put it on the shelf. I definitely purchased it. I supported the devs. I love the fact that I have a sealed copy of it, but I've never opened it. I just, I played the ROM that I downloaded and I don't feel the slightest bit guilty about that because I paid for it. I legitimately paid for it. So Exactly. Yeah, I'm keeping, uh, I'm keeping a separate warehouse, like the separate storage. Like I'm paying $300, $400 a month right now just to keep all of the, all of the games that I have, you know, because... <laughs> As I say, I am a developer. I know what it costs mentally and and physically to develop something, you know. And when you go and see somebody just you know rips it and 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 shares it, it's a heartbreaking. And I I have seen and I've been in talk and I'm I've been around the industry, the game the game industry for quite some time. So I, I I've been through the, through the ups and downs and I've seen people devastated by piracy. Even though people, yeah. you know, many say that it's just a scam and everything else, I, at least in game industry, I've seen people devastated. I will not say anything about the movie industry, but yes, the game industry, I, I did see uh, the real result, results of the piracy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a shame. The movie industry and movie and TV, they got to step up their game because I, I feel like nobody wants to buy the same movie 10 times. So you go to pay to see it in the theater and then you go, do you want to buy it digitally or do you want to wait for the disc, which comes out much later? And then you buy the disc because it's less compression, but then you find out that one of the streaming services has versions with more features and, you know, the, the IMAX aspect ratio instead. And it's, uh, you know, all they're doing, all they're doing is making people want to steal, you know, well, especially people that started out paying. You know, you've bought the same movie three times now and it's like, what am I doing here? You know, music's a little depressing because I wish that artists got more money on YouTube and on Spotify, but at least there's something 
Whereas movies are just frustrating, you know, stream no, a, a movies, highly compressed copy, buy a, a disc that may or may not be what you need. It sucks. Yes, movies. I have my own story to share. And uh, if time allows and, and, and you're willing to hear it, I will share it yeah, later on. Yeah, I'd love to. But Fire yes, away. Yeah, okay. So um, the reason why I actually developed that OD in 2003 was because I was working um, and actually developing anti-piracy technology for movies. Hmm. Uh, namely, the back in the day, uh, when when I developed something very interesting, um, basically the smart card that is able to communicate with your unmodified CD-ROM drive. Basically, you can write to it and read from it on unmodified, normal, standard PC or Mac CD-ROM drive. So that enabled me to, to do a lot of cool tricks and everything else. Uh, Moving then, I found that there is a good interesting uh, problem uh, with uh, movie uh, previews, basically screeners. Uh, any movie that is coming out, they're sending the screeners, uh, used to at least. I don't know what's yeah. going on right now, but back then, in 2003, they were sending DVD discs to the reviewers ahead of a movie release, so they will review it, write, write comments and everything, so that, that the, uh, the piracy market was split. About 80% was pirated from the screeners. About 20% was pirated uh, from uh, from the bicycle of that courier that goes from the mastering to the pressing. So that was the 20%, about 20. It's like, I would say 19% of the piracy came from them. About 1% was the cam rips. Okay. So uh, I developed an interesting technology or other combination of technologies that allow me to watermark uh, video or uh, movie stream in the way that is undetectable to the human eye, but completely recognizable. So basically, it allows me to stream about uh, 300 bytes of a data every 30 seconds. Uh, it doesn't matter if the camera is shaky. So even uh, I demonstrated it to the, to the point that uh, I was taking a normal standard mini DV camera I was filming the CRT display that was playing something that I inserted into it, and I was shaking the camera like this on purpose for 30 seconds. So there was not a normal, stable, like a couple of frames adjusted. I ran through the process and I retrieved my 300 bytes. Usually what the, the demo was, uh, um, I, I give the disk to someone, uh, it has a little executable on it. I say, okay, go into your PC or Mac, type something in there, don't tell me what you type. Uh, bring me the disc. So we insert the disc into the DVD player. Start playing it. Start playing a little like demo movie and whatever it is. Uh, taking the camcorder, shaking it in. Okay. Uh, plugging it into the, my Mac. And again, I'm avid Mac developer. I I always use Mac for development. So I plug it into my Mac. I rip the uh, rip the video, uh, process it, and give them the string back. So the movie. Uh, so all of the movie studios. And I I I I went with that company to every single one, every single one. You name it, I've been there. Okay, their CTOs were uh, th their jaws were hitting the floor when they seen it. Their, their jaws were hitting the floor. It's like, oh, this is the answer. Okay. Guess how many studios bought it? Zero. Precisely. Yeah. A year later, after I went, we went through the year, we did everything and everything else, nobody buys it. A year later, I had the epiphany why it happens. Okay? So, and I know I will get a lot of uh, enemies right now if I'll say it. 
But <laughs> I came to realize that all of this piracy, it's uh, somewhat of an uh, insurance scam. If they get a pirated, if they if they get pirated movie and they prove that they pirated movie, their insurance pays off their bills, essentially. So the entire budget of a movie is insured. Okay, huh. it's not announced. This is my theory. Again, I will make a lot of people angry, but that's what they realized is going to is going on behind the uh, behind the doors. There is no other explanation why every single CTO, every VP of engineering, VP of technology, and every studio, every single one was just, okay, give it to me now, right? Because their their biggest piracy was coming from the screeners. And they can now watermark those screeners to the point that it survives even like, you know, the the, the camera, the, the cameras, right? So... Obviously, I can, I can identify the theater uh, by the watermark and everything else, right? So this is this is another another application for it. But nobody bought it. A year go by, nobody bought it. Two years gone by. We have a technology you know, out there, like literally out there. Nobody is interested. We went bankrupt. Hmm. That sucks. You know, uh, the insurance scam might absolutely be it for the courier part. Because uh, that would make sense. Uh, obviously, they would have caught that within a couple of years, though. The insurance companies aren't that stupid. They, they would have caught it eventually. But a lot of things are uh, total bureaucracy in that your idea comes in and they love it. But then they find out that the CEO's cousin works for a company that's doing a watermarking program. And, you know, like, uh, you know, I sound like an asshole saying that, but I can't tell you how many times in my life I've I've sat witness to that jaw dropped going, I can't believe this is what's happening right now. I don't understand. There's got to be more to it. There has to be, especially when I was younger, I used to think this has got to be one of those times where when I'm older, I'll understand what's happening right now. Maybe I'm missing a bigger picture thing. Nope. (laughs) Nope. There was no bigger picture. So fast forward a little bit more. Uh, 2008, I already moved here and uh, I met some, uh, some CTO, former CTO from one of the big uh, movie studio. I met him in CES. So he remembered me, I remembered him. So we talked, we, we chatted and then said, okay, you know, let's grab a dinner and, you know, just remember the old times together and everything else because he was curious what, what's going on with technology and everything else. So we sat and I explained to him, you know, two years we tried, we knocked in every door, we've been everywhere. And when I'm saying everywhere, it's just, just everywhere from from LA to to Japan, we've been everywhere. Like, Every studio you can think about, right? So, uh, and um, nobody is, no, nobody bought anything. Nobody just, you know, they don't want to or something. So, and I told him this, I told him my idea that there is something going on with the, with the insurance companies. And I will name Whistleblower for that because he actually said, you are almost at exact point. So you are almost 100% correct. Uh, he didn't specify where I wasn't, uh, where I was wrong from everything else, but he, he said our decision, like their decision was made mm-hmm. because of exactly what I said. The, at least he confirmed that the entire budget, the entire production budget is insured. And one of the clothes is piracy. Um, 
is that anything to go by interesting and depressing <laughs> yep jeez well let's uh let's end on a lighter note so uh what are yeah. uh what are delivery times looking at for hdmi and ode kits and is there anything else that you wanted to announce or talk about today obviously you're working on so many different things but uh you know basic st- status update here we're we looking at summertime for everything uh no you had um i know you had other later dates for other odes but i mean for the hdmi yeah. kit we're looking at summer and then what about the rest of the stuff well HDMI, as I say, they are en route to me, and I will be testing each as usual. I will be testing each in package. So you, you expect to to get uh, shipping notifications within the next couple of weeks. Uh, nice. Again, I'm shipping at random. Uh, it, it's it's a little thing I did uh, with Shopify is that uh, I uh, asked them to print out the shipping labels in random so that this way there is not going to be like, you know, oh, I first in queue I got first, and oh, I got it, you know, I got it like, Four months later, I will. I'll be the last one to get it. No, I want every, everybody to be equal, so I'm shipping them uh, in random batches. Um, again, uh, my family helps me to pack it and everything else. I'm uh, for, for all the ODs. I, again, that's more or less for now. It is uh, more like a hobby project, but I uh, I completely support it, which means uh, everything uh, everything will be tested here. On the bench will be tested in the real consoles and um, verified like 100% functionality, packed and shipped from here. Um, for IDE, uh, you're looking about the same time because uh, I already have all of them here. I'm right now going through programming them because that's uh, IDE is a little bit uh, harder to program. I need uh, I need the uh, Basically, I need to power it, and the only way to power this is is from 44 pin. That's easiest. Sorry, the easiest way to power it from 44 pin. So I'm, you know, there's a programming uh, involved with this. I do not want to send you the boards with the connector solder in. So because you know, there's no point. I'm, you know, sticking in programming and then going uh, after everything is programmed. I'm going to test all of them, and uh, I have. Uh, I have a crate of old computers that I'm bringing in. <laughs> Doing from the storage, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I usually, um, at least for ID, I, I, I chose to, to test everything on one of the 486 computers I have because it, it A, supports uh, CHS and, and PIO and ultra DMA settings. So I can test pretty much all the modes in it and at one go and um, uh, I run a little test program I wrote actually a little test program on those as well to test to test everything so once that tests um, and I have a scope here to uh, with the waveform uh, mask that basically checks it plays it plays the sign uh, sign on the analog output and it checks if there is any noise or anything it, it will throw me the red flag if there is any noise so everything is checked uh, so as I said, your look uh, ideally looks about the same time shipping. So probably like in the next couple of weeks, you're going to get an email as well uh, with the shipping notification. Um, between myself and my family, I'm uh, you know split the roles: who is testing, who is packing, who is everything else. So we're, we're I think we we should be able to pump out every single order probably by. By by end July, uh, but every single order, like you know, everybody who ordered it. Um, wow, awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's again it, it uh, I, the same thing as we experienced it with the with the with the 3DO. Uh, I mean, well, I, I was lucky enough to release the 3DO even earlier than planned. <laughs> FZ1, at least if you remember. 
so uh, the other console, consoles, again, I will not progress, but it looks like some of them will be released even earlier than planned. Because, as I said, there's stuff going on in the background. I'm uh, rotating the schedule and I have, you know, I have a day dedicated for one, for another, and everything else. Um, what else did I, want, did I want to say? Oh, yeah. Um, I did, well, I did not announce it yet officially, but it will be, this will be probably the, the, the first time announcing it. Um, I will release the sources for PCFXOD uh, late, at a later stage, so it will not be entirely closed source. It oh, will wow. be actually open source, uh, as well as 3DOs as well. Um, I, I do think that uh, releasing sources eventually will help uh, in the long run to, to those uh, consoles. I'm not sure yet about 4D or uh, any other projects, but uh, I, I will make a decision at a later date about this. Um, I have a pretty strong opinion that when you put, yeah. you meaning anybody, puts so much time into something and you're, you're going to sell it, make some money back first. And then eventually yeah, open source no, it. And, you know, I, I agree. even if it's okay, five years from now, I'll open source it. I'll have something set up so GitHub automatically opens it in case I get hit by a meteor or something and I can't do it myself. That way, all of your work kind of lives on. But for yeah. now, don't let the Bitfunks of the world steal it and try to undercut you by making a lower quality crap version of it. Sell the good stuff for now, make your money back, and get the info out at, you know, as time allows. Yeah, funny you mentioned the, the the truck being you know being hit by a truck and everything. I do have stuff set up if you know something God forbid happens with me or anything else. Um, obviously, all my sources will be released, so uh, I have I have set it up. So there is there are not numerous people and 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 the technology that's keep watching over this. So if you know if if I will disappear and will or will be incapacitated to the point that I can support projects anymore. Um, they will be open sourced, so this way, you know, it's not going to be going into the obscurity. So people buy it, you know, invest in it, and then you know they cannot do anything after it. I mean, yes, the project will still work, the boards will still work, and everything else. But at least this way, somebody else can pick up and maybe improve the features, or you know, get something else, maybe release it on the newer hardware and stuff like this. So mm-hmm. I, I do, uh, I do have everything set up for that. Uh, at least that's you know, I know some people actually will feel better knowing about this. Awesome. Uh, and where can people find you? I know you're on the 3DO Discord, which is actually a pretty friendly community, mostly. And uh, <laughs> and uh, on Twitter, I see you. And uh, But are there other places that people could find you if uh, they want to say hi? Um, well, you can DM me on Discord. I mean, uh, I, I will share my DM link. You can you can always email me. Uh, I'm felix.lazarev at uh, gmail.com. It's available. I'm, you know, I'm not refusing contacts. Or uh, if somebody wants me, uh, you know, uh, the, the card, they, they can find me on my on my cell phone. I shared quite a number. I shared it with quite a number of people, and um, you know, I'm available for any technical support or anything. I'm available on WhatsApp, FaceTime, SMSs, whatever, whatever, whatever is convenient. So any anyone who purchased it can can find me there as well. That's very nice of you. So uh, I would not say the same thing, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's very nice of you. So thank you very much for doing this. Um, thanks for your awesome products. And, you know, I would love to, to swing back and do this again at some point and check in maybe next year after the ODEs have been released and see what else you get on your plate. Absolutely.